listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 476. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we take a break from television to talk about the science fiction film Archive, which is a film you recommended, and, dude, really nice choice. Yeah, I, I knew you'd like it. it was, you know, and it's funny because I'm like, ah, you know, I just watched this movie, like, you know, two weeks, excuse me, two weeks ago. Yeah, am I really going to be into it? Like, because first of all, I guess we should say, if you haven't seen Archive yet, just stop right now. Well, you can listen to us talk about what we watched, but stop. Do not listen to any of this if you haven't watched, seen Archive yet, because there's going to be major spoilers, like right off the bat. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we generally have a clean podcast. We've never gotten any complaints. We might you know, drop an occasional naughty word here and there. But, uh, man, if any movie calls for uh, WTFs, it's certainly this one for sure. Right. And it's, you know, it's almost, I wouldn't say, I think it's it's maybe even better the second time around because now it's like. You know what to look for. Yeah. And there's, there's stuff that I didn't even catch at all before. Or that had a completely different meaning the first time I watched it. Now you're watching the second time. It's like, oh, oh wow, you know. So there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of talk about verbal and dramatic irony in this. Well, not dramatic irony, verbal irony. All right. Well, listen. Before we go any further, we would like to thank our patrons, Bert, Fred. Dan, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, and Mike. Appreciate you guys supporting the podcast and, you know, appreciate everybody that listens on a weekly basis. Or, you know, even if you just check in with shows that you are into, you know, it's all good. So uh, thank you for your support. All right. Uh, you want to go first? Yeah, I just got my paycheck for the year. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. So what are you watching this week? Um, all right. So I, I finished my rewatch of rebels and I then parlayed that into rewatching the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett. So I know you haven't watched any of this stuff, but, uh, it's like the Mandalorian is, is obviously a lot of fun watching it one episode at a time as Disney releases it, but to watch them one after the other is really good. It's a very, very bingeable show because it's, you know, so you know, episodic and everything. I thought it's just great. It's a lot of fun. And also after watching to now, like the first time I saw the Mandalorian, I hadn't seen all of Clone Wars and I hadn't watched Rebels at all. So there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't really get what it was. Um, But now watching it, knowing those things, it's it's a lot more meaningful. So it's cool. Um, The other thing is I finally caught up with uh, Better Call Saul. Which, you know, I don't know why. I just always kind of like, whenever Better Call Saul has a new season pops up, I just kind of like ignore it for a while. And then, uh, you know, once the season's like, you know, three or four episodes in, I'm like, I'm like ah, I guess I'll go and start watching. And I'm like, man, like, this show is so good. Like, why do I always like feel like I, I don't want to put this at the top of my watch list? Um, and then I watch, I'm like, this, this show is awesome. So, um, you know, it's just great. Uh, we, you know, this is not a spoiler because it's, you, it, it's been, you know, I, I feel like it's been the media so much, but they had the episode called Breaking Bad. And actually, the first time Saul is in the show Breaking Bad, 
Well, actually, I don't know if it's the first time, but there's an episode in Breaking Bad called Better Call Saul, you know, and so now they have Better Call Saul has uh, the name Breaking Bad. And in it, uh, we see the return of Brian Cranston and um, I keep, I'm saying Jesse Pinkman, Aaron Paul, geez. <laughs> that was... Um, as uh, as Walter White and, and Jesse Pinkman, their roles from Better Call, uh, from Breaking Bad. And that was really, really cool. Uh, great, uh, great episode. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, most people, like, you're either in or out on Better Call Saul. If you watch Breaking Bad, I imagine you've, you're watching Better Call Saul. But uh, if not, you know, it's very manageable uh, rewatch there on that. So, All right, cool. All right, well, for me, um, now the first show is one of those shows, and we've, I think, both talked about them from time to time, although I think it's usually more me than you. Uh, a show called Mr. Selfridge, which my wife chose this one. And uh, originally, it, I believe, was produced for ITV, which is another of the British uh, television channels. Uh, that, you know, it's not related to BBC other than that they're both British. But, uh, right. but it stars Jeremy Piven. Do you know who he is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, I knew him from Entourage, which is basically right. the only thing I, I knew him from. So he plays an American businessman who takes his family, moves to London so that he can build basically the greatest department store in the world. And and that's his goal. That's his vision. And of course, he meets a bunch of obstacles along the way. Four seasons has 10 episodes in each season. And, you know, we just just tore through it and and dude by the end of it i have to admit it was pretty good but a lot of <laughs> actors that we know from genre shows ha- have showed up in the series the most recent uh, i can't remember his last name is the, the actor's first name is sasha but he is the most recent master in doctor who Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. I, well, I, I don't know his name either, but yeah, I know Okay, so about. he starts... That guy was great in Doctor yeah, yeah, and he's great here because he starts out as kind of a really shady guy who kind of is a lot less shady uh, towards the end. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a good character piece. It's, it's a period piece. It, it starts out, I believe it's 1909, and it ends right before the stock market crash in 1929. So, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, that period, Mr. Selfridge, it's, uh, I believe it's on Prime Video. I, I think that's where we saw it. Okay. The other show that I mentioned last week is Paper Girls on Prime Video. Yes. And, and I, I saw, I, I saw like, a, it, it finally, uh, Amazon suggested for me. Or finally, I got I, maybe I haven't been on Amazon Prime in a while, but it was like there. Okay, so I made the bold statement, and I'm holding to it now that I've finished the eight episode season. I I think it's a lot better than Stranger Things. I I, I really do. I I know that. I I think right. the acting. It's at least as good. I think it's a little better. I, I, I think these characters, even though they are 12 years old, it's, it follows four 12-year-old girls who are paper girls. They deliver the morning paper, and you know, a, a couple of them know each other, but then one of them is the new girl, and they are delivering papers on hell night. 
the day after Halloween. And, you know, they have all sorts of misadventures. They find what turns out to be basically a time machine, and they find themselves going from 1988 to the present day. And without revealing too many plot points, uh, it, it's it's pretty serious. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it certainly got its humor, but you know, I I think these twelve year old girls, and maybe maybe it's that twelve year old girls are a lot more mature than twelve year old boys. So you know, when you compare it to something like Stranger Things, but right. you know, I know you're into the '80s. I I can't encourage you more to check it out they're they're short episodes they're all like 35 to 45 minutes so you can really knock through it uh through it pretty quickly so now would you have you seen station 11 i have oh yeah okay would you which would you put like because that's i'm considering my next show once uh i'm done book of boba fett well you know i i read something i don't know somebody posted i don't know one of the uh, facebook forums that i follow it's like oh it's about it's kids no that doesn't do it for me i'm like what a stupid thing to say i mean if it's a good show if it's a good story what does it matter that they're kids but stand by me now station 11 i'd read the book first and i think it was a pretty faithful representation of the book i'd go with station 11 first Okay. Yeah, Station Eleven. It, 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 that's pretty damn good. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I know you had seen it and really liked it, and then like you just keep seeing articles about like you know the best sci-fi show on Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's on the Amazon Prime. Right? Uh, I can't remember. No, HBO Max. Yeah, right? yeah, it's on yeah. HBO Max. Um, you know, and I'm like, whoa, you know. So uh, you know, a lot of people saying some great stuff about it. So. Yeah, I was intrigued. Yep, yep. Check it out. It, it's uh, you won't be disappointed. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And and I All still right. haven't checked out the Sandman yet, but I do plan to at least give it a look. I don't know that it's necessarily something I'm going to you know grab onto, but Neil Gaiman the Lucifer series yeah. was born yeah. out of the uh, Sandman comics, so yeah, we'll give it a shot. Cool. All right, well, let's get to Archive, the 2020 film that is airing on Prime Video, written and directed by Gavin Rothery. No relation to Terrell Rothery, who is, uh, you know, one of the, she was the doctor in Stargate SG-1, but apparently no relation. Um, right. Well, actually, before we get started, I just want to throw out that spoiler warning again, because we're going to... We're going to blow the whole movie for you right away if you if you continue listening. So you've been fairly warned. If you you advance beyond this point, don't blame me. Yeah. All right, go. Right now, you know, ordinarily, uh, you know, like if you listen to the podcast, you know that I generally, you know, lead the discussions, and and you know, then once we get going, you we're both jumping back and forth. So, dude, jump in wherever you want about whatever you want. I, I'm just going to throw it out there the twist at the end yeah who dies in the accident jules or george and i think the ending seems to imply that it's george that dies in the accident but i mean i think it's pretty unambiguous well yeah until you then go back to so then all of this is a construct of his mind within the archive uh you know 
computer system, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So is which is crazy. So I mean, then are we to understand that all of the the highly detailed storylines were ideas that he was either thinking about when the crash occurred, or you know, were, were part of his memory. Well, right, because I mean, all this crazy stuff about like espionage and you know people coming to get him and guys with guns and huge helicopter drones. You know, it's cr- like when when you first watch it, you just take it like as it is. Sure, right? sure. Um, I didn't even. You know, I, I, I'll admit, the first time I watched this, I don't think I even considered the idea that it was actually George who was dead. Until you get to the end. Until the very end. Right. And then also, and then at the end, I'm like, oh, no way. And then so now, when going back on the rewatch, then you're just like, oh, there's so much that, that points to it, both symbolically and like literally – but yeah, it's just uh, the, the the fact that his consciousness comes up with these crazy scheme, like he, you know, that this whole plot of him visiting the what was it, the risk assessor, and you know, getting a, a you know a suitcase with a gun in it and everything, like, you're just like man, like his his head came up with this stuff. Like, where did that come from? You know, where did his experience did? his consciousness draw on this stuff well and, and i guess what what still is somewhat bothersome to me is that you know we get that twist at the end that uh, you know as we said that it's george that died and not jules so then we go back and and you know all of this elaborate storyline of him at this remote facility he's uh, apparently constructed j1 then made improvements and he's got j2 and he's working on j3 so are we to believe that his consciousness upon death i guess or or else they you know downloaded it before he you know actually died that's not clear but what once his consciousness is, is in the archive system it's still active and i'm kind of making air quotes for active i mean right well, like as they're talking about it, when you know, Jules is is very opposed to having her consciousness uploaded in the archive, right? Which for a little bit, they were like, oh, "George, you know what? What an a hole!" You know, like she tells you flat out not to do it, and obviously you went and did it anyway. But then we realized, well, no, he didn't. You know, he did it his his own. But as they're talking about it, she's like. So I won't even know that I'm dead. He's like, yeah. You know, and so that's just George going through his life. You know, he has no awareness, obviously, that that he's dead. Like his consciousness is still continuing as if he's still alive. Right. Now, the George we're talking about, George Almore, the main character played by Theo James, which uh, I'm sure a lot of us, Fred mentions in his feedback, we know from Divergent. I also know him from the period drama Sanditon, which I'm sure you haven't watched. I haven't. Uh, And he's also in The Time Traveler's Wife, which I do want to check out at some point. Rose Leslie is his wife and and of course we know her from game of thrones among among you know mm-hmm. some other things so I, I certainly would like to check check that out 
Um, I do. I just like I read the book and I didn't like the book that the much. The Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the series is supposed to be great, and it's Stephen Moffat wrote it. Yeah. But I think they got canceled, right? There's not going to be a season two. Uh, I don't even know. So yeah, I think that's that's what happened. So I'm like, you know, before I was kind of like, all right, maybe I'll try. I think I did actually watch the Eric Bana movie. You know, I was like, oh, Stephen Moffat, maybe I'll watch this. And then right after I like thought that, then they canceled it, and I'm like. Ah, all right maybe not now i don't know okay so now jules his wife played by stacy martin who i saw her in a in a film called the serpent which is about this guy that's basically travels around the world and he turns out to be a serial killer jenna coleman is the other co-star in it as well it really is a kind of a disturbing series but i guess disturbing in a good way but well i'm also disturbing is i I was reading i hadn't seen her in anything but i was reading her bio she's in a movie called nymphomania that used actual sex scenes i saw that so she had two things one she had a, a porno body double. Yeah. To come yeah, in. sure and she did. They, and then, right. And then they had a, a prosthetic vagina that they used as well. Okay. So. so that was kind of. Yeah. And, and, and since we did it. Fascinating. Right. And we're doing a movie this week. So we'll be covering Nymphomaniac next week because. Yeah. Got, yeah. <laughs> nah, no, we won't. All right. Uh, anyway. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's just, I don't even know where to start or where to go. I mean, but one of the other things. Well, we started with George is dead. Like, we're watching this, you know, and like I said, you, you absolutely, okay, I shouldn't say you. I should say very astute watchers probably catch on some point in here that, oh, I bet you this guy's dead, not the wife, you know. But for me, as Joe average viewer, I would say, um, didn't catch it at all. Like, it was completely thrown by the twist at the end. But then going back to watch the second time, now you see all these things. Now, the movie takes on a completely new meaning. It's almost like a different movie the second time, honestly. Well, it is. But, I mean, a a lot of the thematic ideas are are still just as significant with or without the twist. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you have a roboticist that is playing God. There's no other way to look at it. So whether we want to call him a modern-day Dr. Frankenstein or not, I mean, he's trying to, in this case, keep the dead alive. And, I mean, but in, in a way, he is the modern-day Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. It's just that he's got significantly higher levels of scientific sophistication with which to work. So, right. And you see, like, he has a relationship with the intelligences that he created already, and he interacts with them very differently. You know, you know, uh, J1 is, I think, like they said, like six years old. Right. Um, and so you see, he is very patient. Um, as a parent would be with a young child. J2 is like 15 and 16, so she's the kind of rebellious one asking questions. You can see his reactions to J2 are much more along the lines of frustration. Um, and then, of course, J3 is the, you know, the, the final product and um, you know, completely different uh, treatment of of her as well so 
Um, and but you know he he says like we're a family. I believe at one point he says that to J two, and you get that right. Like he says he, he calls like the, the all the Js call each other their sister, and he even tells J two you know I, I'll take care of you, you know like J two like any teenager doesn't want to be a kid forever. They she wants to grow up. She wants to get better she wants the things that her sister gets and stuff yeah imagine that a teenage girl rebelling against her father right a thunk but but you, you know i get the other thing that strikes me and it's not necessarily a bad thing do you think it's too derivative of star wars where you know just what you were mentioning you know we get this feel with the robot ai as a friend as a colleague as a family member and you can't help but think of r2d2 and c3po i mean i can't yeah well i mean yes but and well i think if we're talking about derivation here you know i mean we can't ignore ex machina and his relationship to J three. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, but you know, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, like your, your point is, I think totally valid that, that yeah. Uh, with J one and J two, uh, definitely get a vibe of, you know, an R2, D2, C3, PO kind of vibe here, but you know, a little different because C3, PO doesn't dream, right. You know, he doesn't have hopes or, or desires or anything like that. Um, but J2 does. Right. And and I think even on a lower level, you know, like J1, obviously on one level, J1 is too young to really understand what's going on around her. Uh, she likes to watch cartoons. Uh, and, and then at the end, it's like, like any parent that might tell a, a six or seven year old, okay, don't go outside. It's raining. So what does J1 right. do? goes outside in the yeah. rain and and uh, yeah. um, then has to have uh, get her back inside and then um, you mentioned the dreams which I also find fascinating because it, it's a an idea that comes up not only with j2 but also with j3 and it, it gets me to thinking that whole idea of dreams versus memories you know how the two are connected in the yeah. human mind. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Yeah, right. I mean, how can you not, you know, think about that? And, and the whole idea of the Blade Runner vibe, yeah, kind of runs, you know, throughout this uh, movie at at different points, especially when he goes to meet the risk assessor in, in that restaurant. So yeah, that is oh my god, that was so Blade Runner that whole that whole scene. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, you know, and that's funny, like how it's like, I think this is one place where it's like two different movies. Like the first, I mean, even though those, those themes of, you know, what, you know, obviously we are very interested in this idea of AI and, you know, what is, what is human? What is alive? Right. Sure. What is consciousness? You know, so the first time that is like, obviously the pondering the big, big, big theme of the movie. Right. But then we watch it the second time. We're like, "Oh, this is all just in his head. Like this, not he's not really making any robots at all. It's just his consciousness is just running through this narrative. It's still there, but it just takes on a different layer of meaning there." You know? Well, right, and that's what I was saying a few minutes ago. Is that I guess what we're expected to believe is that now that he's dead, now that he's within the archive system, these 
are the ideas that he planned to work on during the three years he was going to be at this right. facility in, in Japan and that he actually never got to do that. Right. Um, we also get the idea, at least I think, that Jules is a robot roboticist as well. Now, maybe I misheard that or misinterpreted that uh, as they were riding in the car, but uh, yeah, I think... I didn't catch that, I, but I mean, I'm not saying no. It, it could, it could have been. Um, I think maybe when she was eating that donut, I got distracted, so... Um, but anyway, no, that's, no, that's, that's my cross I've got to live with. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and, and J2, where you mentioned is the equivalent of a teenager who does dream. But I think what we really get out of J2 is this sense of jealousy that it feels once it understands what really is going on here and, you know, I mean, is does George lie to J two when J two says so? She's better. No, not better. Different. It's like no, better. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's that J two fine, a teenager, but J two's not stupid, right? But no, but then we get that ultimate act, and, and again, okay, can a machine? become sentient and and i guess we would argue based on the film archive the answer is yes and and yeah. and whether it's you know a tv series like humans or Westworld, uh, you know i think those are big ideas that, that are getting explored as we as we speak so it goes so far beyond jealousy when j2 commits suicide yeah. Well, yes, but no. Well, what do you mean, no? <laughs> well, I mean, they fish her out. Of the, I, you know, I, I think they were able to pull her out and able to. Well, okay. Like her consciousness doesn't die. It seems like, you know, the whatever company found the archive. Co- well, you know, again, it's all happening in his head, right? Well, so, well, yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess to me, the act. I mean, he was so concerned about them getting wet. So, um, right. Yeah. Good point. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I, I understand that they can recover lost data. Um, you know, even, even erase text messages from what I understand, yeah. <laughs> but yep. so, so, you know, but, but even to the ex-president's consternation, yeah. <laughs> even if they manage to, well, we know they fish J2 out of the water and even if they manage to get her back running, the fact remains that J2 attempted suicide. Right, right. Made a, a, a deliberate decision. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and then they have like the, the funeral for Right, it, right? right. Yeah. And. and uh, Which while we're talking about, it, I just have to say, there's no effing way in this world that he's going to be able to dig any kind of anything. And you've mentioned this all. before. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's not. That is impossible. Yeah. That is not, like, yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, nor the place, they don't even bury bodies till spring. Right. You know, so there's no way a guy with a hand shot is going to be able to dig. I, I, I know. I, I know it's just in his head. So, yes, it's possible in his consciousness, in his head. But no, that would definitely not. Right. All right. I'm sorry. Well, and I just some had to the, get that off my chest. And some of the ideas that the film explores, we, we understand that they're you know, a product of whatever's going on within the archive, but that doesn't make them any less discussable 
you know, in, in the big picture. I do, I do sure. find it fascinating that uh, apparently what sets J2 off to go run into the lake was uh, spying on J3 and George dancing. So I don't know if that they were that bad at dancers and just J2 couldn't handle it anymore. No. Well, but he, you know, he, she's dancing on J2's quote unquote legs, True. right? Which is part of it. Yes, that's as well. Which, which again, is seeing this through the lens of this is all in George's head. You see his psychology, like he actually has a tremendous sense of awareness slash guilt over what he was concerned. Like you have to, we have to think that all of these things that he experiences are things that he imagined happening before he died, you know? Well, uh, you know, I, I wonder about that. I mean, is it just, is it one of those things that, that one thing leads to another? Uh, I, I almost find it hard to believe that he would think about things you know, at, at all of these different levels. I mean, he's got to start with J1, right? So right. having an idea for J1, has he already extrapolated out to J3? And what, so I, I don't know. I mean, is, or, or is that just like the, you know, the computer in in conjunction with his, you know, brain or personality or whatever it is they've downloaded? I don't know. Right. Well, 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 that's the other thing. Like, uh, you know, because again, there is this recurring theme of archive trying to break in, trying to find out what he's doing, trying to get his secrets. Is that an actual thing? Is his company actually trying to mine his consciousness to get, you know, his technology, his ideas on AI? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's completely. A possibility there. Yeah. Oh, I think it's a real possibility. Yeah. Especially Toby Jones, the sketchy character he played in the Captain America movies. Yep. I feel he's down for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, I mean, you know, we get to the end and, and we see him towards the end. So, I mean, clearly J3 is getting pretty damn close to i mean i think it's way beyond becoming sentient i mean she's pretty darn close to being able to pass as human right. and you know when, when we think of series like humans where you know they almost seem a little bit more robotic than j3 even though their appearance has progressed beyond what we see in J3. But I mean, again, the appearance would seem to be the least of George's concerns, you know, once he gets the actual personality. But here's my big problem, and this might be my biggest problem with the whole movie. And and, and right. it's not that, that um, something doesn't, you know, doesn't really work given what we're, what we're uh, you know, the way the movie has transpired, but it's the fact that George is ready to overwrite a unique individual right. with jewels. Yes. That's pretty horrific yeah. when you think about yeah. it. Right. Well, cause, and, and again, if it's this, his, his consciousness, this is something he's thought of. This is something he's understood yes. is that, that these intelligence that he's creating are people. When J3 basically sacrifices herself to allow him to imprint Jules's consciousness 
into her mind. Right. Because you know? we see when she grabs his arm, she's in control. <laughs> if if yeah. she want to put a stop to this, uh, right. you know, uh, a la ex machina, she can at any point. But as you said, she sacrifices herself for George. So yeah. it, does she do right. this? And, and that's and that's it. Because like, again, when she gets there, there's that scene when J3 like climbs in the bed with him and he flips out. And the first time I watch him, like, dude, isn't this what you want? Right. <laughs> right. You know? Because that version of J3, I, I think we get the impression at that point. Well, this is Jules. I mean, it sounds like Jules. It, it, Looks like she has her. her memories and everything, right? Right. So, yeah. Why would he be so shocked at that point? So, yeah, that that was a little bit off-putting. But again, maybe you know, it's it's almost like catches him off guard. How great a job he has done in you know creating this person, <laughs> this individual. Yeah. So, um, I guess we have to. Yeah understand that um but 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 you're you're i mean to, to your point though that yes like he is basically the plan is to basically kill j3 so that jules can now inhabit that body right and you know on, on the one hand i guess become j4 even though the you know the hardware is basically the same um, you know, the other scene I, I want to make sure I mention is when George finds J3 missing, finds her on the shelf because of J2's jealousy. Yeah. And George says that, uh, I'm sorry, J2 says that, you know, he, he's, she's not damaged, but it doesn't mean I'm okay. And I thought that was really a poignant thing for J2 to say, even though we're not crazy about J2's jealousy, J2's, you know, doing something that, I mean, I guess we would have to look at it like, well, okay, if damage was done to J3, George could likely repair it. So it's not the same as if, you know, physical damage to an actual human being was done, but, but still, but that that idea that I'm not okay, you know, I'm hurting emotionally. So now we go back to the point where, okay, he's created AI with emotions, which is, again, yes. something that we talk about uh, in science fiction pretty darn frequently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, also kind of something you mentioned there, how he could just create a new one. The thing is, though, and there's this theme that, that again, it's the same theme both times you see the movie, but it changes. So the first time he keeps saying, he says so many times about how he's running out of time. He doesn't have any time. He's done, you know, I don't have time for this. This kind of inhabits his relationship with Jay too, because she's having these kind of like teenage angst moments. And he's like, listen, I just don't have time to deal with this right now, which is not a great thing to say as a parent. Sure. But we get it. The, 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 from his perspective, the archive gives you a limited amount of time. It, it degrades over time and eventually will end. So he, and he, from his, again, from this perspective, uh, the first time around, we realize, okay, Jules's archive is, is 
drawing to an end. He doesn't have much time left, so he's got to get J3 up and running before he loses her consciousness in archive. Then we see it the other way, that the second time around, now we realize he, he what he says, I don't have much time, but now it's that verbal irony we're talking about that what he really means, what he what he doesn't realize he means is that his consciousness is degrading and he's running out of time. He needs to get, you know, this done, his project done before his archive consciousness goes away, degrades and, and is, is destroyed. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I, I caught on the rewatch, because as, as you say, once you see it once, you almost have to go back and see it again to, to you know, see what clues are there. Jules says to him, I hope you're happy there. And George replies, it's really beautiful. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, like, like heaven or whatever. But, you know, that, that whole idea that, oh, yeah, it's really beautiful here. So, you know, again, it reminds me of the, uh, the, the show, The Good Place, where, you know, everything, everything is perfect or actually it's not. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then she tells him that she can't do this anymore. So why would the person that is stored in archive say, I can't do this anymore? It, it would have to be the person that was actually alive, right? Exactly, right, which is one thing with a more aware viewer hears that. It's like, ah, ah, okay. Yeah, but, you know, but for me, it just went nah, whoop, right over dude, my head. There's, I'm <laughs> sorry. If somebody tells me, oh, how could you miss all this stuff? Shut up. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mind. No, I understand that. I mean, they do such a. That's the thing. The movie is so skillfully made that it's really you would have to be really, really, really sharp to pick up on some of this. Yeah, stuff I, I don't know. Figure, could, but you know, but uh, you know, the other thing, and, and again, the the videos of Jules that seem to be running in the background must be her digital personality copy that that he's using to build j3 and he's removing the compression of the file because that's one of the storylines that that runs throughout the movie is that the company suspects that he's broken the seal and is doing something with her data which again not to belabor the point it's that's not what's actually happening that's right you know but but it's still you know it, it's it's weird right that's one of those things that like when you you see it, like the guy says yeah they they he's messed with it somehow he, he doesn't say he uses this is actually I I almost want to take this scene and use it in my English class to demonstrate passive voice because the guy says something like the seal was broken you know I'm like now like he broke it but the seal was broken I'm not accusing anyone of anything the seal was broken or whatever. And uh, and then, but but the the, the Toby Sinclair, uh, Toby Jones character is just like ah, no biggie, don't worry about it. I'm just like, wait, really? Well, <laughs> like, well, when he him. comes to the compound, we're here to see your wife. Okay, fine, but then we learn that well, she can call in, but he can't call out. Right. Which again, again makes perfect yeah. sense now that we little little red light there, right, yeah, right. Um. I don't know what it means, but uh, the flashback where she's using the cricket bat for defense and then he's using a, I don't think it's the same cricket bat, but um, not sure why cricket bat. Is Theo James British? No. Well, if 
uh, no, he's American. She is well. That's that's kind of like also the thing. Like, can we can we talk about her accent? Sure. Because she is she was born in France and raised and she grew up in England. I think. Okay. But she's. I mean, that is like an Australian, maybe New Zealandish accent, oh. right? That she's going with. It seems like yeah, could be. I. It seemed like to me. It sounded like kind of like I. I don't know. Um, but also, it could be a French person who spent a lot of time in England. Maybe that's the accent. That comes out there. Her French was awesome, obviously, when she spoke French. It was you know, perfect. But so, 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 yeah. Um, I can't remember what actually I was trying to actually. Well, then you got me to thinking. We, we just watched a show called Becoming Elizabeth on Stars, and it, it's the young Elizabeth. She hasn't become queen yet, and she's played by a German actress playing the British monarch, and she's got uh-huh. this accent. It's not quite British, but it's sexy as hell so anyway <laughs> um you know they're taking liberties with uh you know elizabeth's appearance at least based on what we know from paintings but um sure anyway um you know you mentioned about jules being angry about being stored you know I- i'm not sure what to think now that's probably not that important a detail you know whether he went behind her back uh you know well it's free why why don't we want to do it and yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's well, he didn't. Though. Well, that's the thing. It's, I don't know. It's just it. I guess. Well, I mean, he he might have, but we, re, you know, like I said, the second time around, like the first time, I'm like, oh, what, dude? Like she told you she didn't want to be stored, and you completely did it anyway. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe he didn't because this is not. She's not the one stored in the archive. He is right. Right. You know, and, and, you know, that whole sequence of events at the end, you know, where, where, you know, George learns that the guys supposedly from archive were imposters. So, you know, again, that whole idea of corporate espionage, obviously it's a, it's a thing in real life. It's a big thing. And, and with, with, uh, technology, like, you know, he's supposedly working on in this this uh, movie. You know, of course they're going to keep tabs on it, and of course somebody's going to try to steal it. But and again, we, we we already touched on it. But but just that poignancy of J 3s recognition that you're going to overwrite me with her. Yeah. And you know, when we come on the heels of J 2s jealousy, that. I'm not being overwritten. J2, I guess, sees it as she's being replaced, even though, uh, you know, I mean, it's how is it any different than having a big sister? And, and, you know, now I'm not the oldest anymore, but I'm still part of the family. But, you know, that line of thinking doesn't happen. But, But even though J3 could easily put a stop to this, she lies back in the chair and oh, the drill to the forehead or whatever, it, <laughs> yeah. however they get that in there. And apparently it, it, it does uh, cause some physical pain such as it is for, um, you know, this, this AI, but uh, yeah. You know, the other thing I thought was fascinating is, is how he's, I don't want to say training her, but, but, you know, educating her where they go through that little sequence with, with uh, smell and taste. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, we've seen this before with AI clearly not needing to eat or drink 
but they do as a means of passing as human. Um, right. Well, it's also part of the human experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, to to be human is part of it is to enjoy food and drink. Right. Right. And apparently, George has taken that step where there does seem to be actual enjoyment from eating the food or or drinking. I don't know if we see her drinking the drink, but we see her eating. So, um, you know, and and then, of course, uh, you know, J3 points the emergency gun, tells him to let her go and and all of that. Um, And then, you know, that final scene where we see Jules holding the child. Sorry for your loss, Mrs. Allmore. Um, You know, and that's our big WTF moment. So, yeah. um, Well, yeah, because we, like I was almost like watching this summer. I'm like, did we did we need it? Like you said, I mean, it's pretty unambiguous at the end that George is dead and Jules is still alive, and that she's saying goodbye to him, like you know, as this being the last time she'll get to talk to him because he's in the archive. And I was wondering, do we, do we need all this? Could they not have left it more ambiguous at the end? Well, you know, and like instead of having that whole coda where we actually see her, you know, um, Sinclair gives her the like a like a folder or something and she walks out with her kid. Do we actually need to see that? Well, I I think we almost do, because if you go back to just, you know, a few minutes before that, where the compound is under siege and then suddenly it's not right so we're thinking like, all right, <laughs> what happened here? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like now maybe you, that's enough to get us thinking. Exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I think maybe that's enough. Do you really? But but then I, the, the more I thought about it, like, you know what? It is, it is it's a pretty emotional moment. We've had almost an hour and a half with George. We've gotten into this character. We haven't liked everything about him. But still, we definitely – sympathize with empathize with him and then all of a sudden boom we find out he's dead you know and i guess maybe we as the viewers need a little scene for grieving just as like jules does you know yeah and you know i think you go back to the car crash where you know we see it early on or actually about halfway through with the car flying at their car although we don't see the impact yet but we realize okay this is how she dies or 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 so we think at that point and then when we see the impact later on and we see the camera going inside the car and we hear the emt workers in the background and we see george is still alive and Jules doesn't seem to be moving. So we, of course, think she died, he survived. But then yeah. that makes sense that he initially survives, which enables them to, you know, I, I, I guess it's the we're at the point in society where, you know, the EMT workers know that, okay, he's, he, you know, he's an archive participant. So we got to, you know, get his brain or how, you know, however they get his consciousness right into the archive system i i hadn't really thought about that before but yeah right they got his consciousness right up to the moment of his death right so someone had to be there to get that data 
then and there, right? Or, right, or, or he survived long enough, or, yeah, you know, yeah, to get to the right, hospital right. or whatever. But still, yeah. But that clearly, while she was unconscious at that point, she's clearly, you know, survives the accident. So, yeah, um, what else? Let's talk music, Dave. Okay, yeah, there was some great music in it, for sure. It was, and, and meaningful. So the first, so I'm just going to take like the, you know, the, the, popular songs that they use and i might have there's three big ones and i might have missed one but um it starts off with uh kind of in the early on they play it's a five o'clock world by the vapors okay. i think which was actually i heard them like hey that was uh that was the the theme song for the you know drew carey before he was a game show host actually had a pretty funny sitcom um of oh, the vogues not the vapors so five o'clock roll by the Vogues, and that's just kind of like a uh, work week, get to work kind of like Drew Carey show used it for season two. But uh, so so yeah, so then the next one is our man Willie Nelson. Oh, funny how time slips away, you know. And first of all, this is it's great having the Shazam app on my phone because I just have it right next to me. And then when the song pops up, I can just hit the Shazam. It tells me what song's playing. Um, pretty cool. But, but I mean, obviously thematically, um, that works out really well. And then at the very end, I took so many notes for this movie. It's crazy. I know the group's called La Femme. I think it was kind of like Time Time to Wake Up, I believe, was the name of, of the song. There's also a Google extension if you use Google in yep. your browser. Oh, it's, t- it's Time to Wake Up by La Femme. So yeah, and, and that's at the, at the very end. Um, actually, right before he dances with her, I guess. So you know, again, it's just these these songs that like, the, the first time I didn't even really think about it, and then but but now watching, it's just like oh wow, you know the 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 lyrics and the titles of these songs are just completely uh, very well fit in what's going on in the story. Yeah, and the um, fact that she puts the music on to dance to it even before he is in the room. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And you notice yes. her dancing shoes, right? I don't think I did. Oh, she had Converse Chucks on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so that, yeah, that, that was, that was very cool. Um, and you know, again, just like we start to really like J three, you know? And then, so we kind of like are on her side a little bit, like, dude, you're going to, replace her like i i mean i get it that that was always the project but like really like this is a person you know this is this is an intelligence here another thing the the location was unbelievable i don't know where or how they found this place but it was amazing like I, i i should have looked it up but i mean with the waterfalls and the bridge to the research facility up in the mountain it was so cool but Again, watching the second time around, you see the first shot we see is it's winter and all the trees are dead. We've got George jogging through this forest of dead trees, right? Okay. Yeah, I thought about that. I mean, I didn't, I knew it was important. I didn't even put it in that kind of a context, but yeah, sure. Yeah. And then in contrast with the name Jules, right? Jules suggestive to me a little bit of like July of summer of life. Right, like the kind of the opposite of that, but but yeah, you know, just that whole, 
you know, where he says, right? I mean, you had said that how he says at some point, like, it's beautiful here. And it really is. It's like, it's, it's gorgeous there. It's, um, so just hats off to the, the people who, who found that, that uh, location to, to film because it was awesome. Right. Now, now the guy that wrote it and directed it is an art director. I mean, that was his background. So I guess it's no surprise how visually stunning so much of the film really is, which when you think about, you know, it's mostly just one person and a couple of robots. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. Um, yeah. Theo James, um, you know, I only watched the first Divergent movie and didn't really like it. I hated the books. Well, the first book I liked. I hated the second two books. But, um, but I mean, yeah, like Theo James really has to pull. It's basically almost like a solo effort here. Sure. Right? Yeah. Though, you know, Fred would disagree with, you know, Rona Mitra's contribution here. So Yeah. Brief, <laughs> but, uh, you know, still powerful. Which is also funny because, like, he actually, I, I maybe he had a really bad relationship with his boss, the IRL, right? Because, like, I mean, like, she is just a terrible, terrible person. Yeah. In his consciousness, you know? So, um, you know, so that's what you get. If you're a boss, you know, be careful because if uh, people's consciousness are getting downloaded, they're going to remember you poorly. Oh, and she's like, you know, she sees J3 approaching with a crowbar. It's like, don't you dare. Nope. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I, I feel like that was fun for her to play because she just because kind of like yeah, oh yeah, just went over the top of that. So I don't know. There's so there's so much <laughs> in in this movie, but I, I think that I think we pretty pretty well you know covered it. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Well, oh, it's just like the, the also the idea of how the, the the facility itself is is deteriorating, right? As his um, you know as his archive consciousness deteriorates. You know, everything just is breaking down and, and, and going to crap all around him, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and then you get the, uh, you know, the Hans, at the end, Hans Elson, when he calls the archive, it's like, you know, it finds out that there's no Sinclair or whatever like that. And and, and, and he's clearly, well, that, that's one thing. Actually, that was the one, last thing I wanted to bring up. Is I was wondering is how much of his interactions are him interacting with like maybe like a user out in the real world. Okay. Like obviously not Hans else because that is clearly a recording that he's talking to, but it's still him interacting with archive, right? Yeah. I mean, um, did, did somebody hack into the system to find out what he knows about whatever technology he was working on? Yeah. Or is he just straight up communicating with archive? Like yeah. is his consciousness, are they able to, create some link where they can, they can just as his, because if his, if his wife can, why can't they? Right. Yeah, sure. Um, and that's what I was also wondering, like when he opens up the, the suitcase, right. And then there's the guy, the risk assessor saying only in the case of emergency or whatever, like, is he actually talking to someone out there in the real world at that point? I mean, I mean, look, we know that his consciousness is talking with somebody out there in the real world because it's Jules. Right. So why couldn't it be somebody else as well? That's, so. that's what I'm wondering. All right. So All I right. think that that's about it. For me. Okay. 
All right. Well, why don't we check in and hear what Fred's got for us this week in listener feedback, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the 2020 movie Archive. Not to be confused with the very recent film Archive 81, which is a 2022 film. But first, I want to come back to Outer Range, the last two episodes. You gave me some homework, so I did that. Um, but but the other thing, they return back to the ranch, and we see Amy drawing that Abbott brand in a notebook, mm-hmm. not unlike what we've seen Autumn do. And, and again, this is kind of, we depend on Fred to do this sort of thing. Is it the same notebook? Because of your schedule one week ahead, I landed up in problems because I just heard my homework in episode 7, whereas last week I already recorded episode 8. So this is just an addition. The answer is no. I looked it up and you see Autumn's notebook in episode 2 when she's at the bottom of that rock where the Abbott sign is and she meets Amy. We see her notebook and it has rings. In episode 6, we also see the half-burnt notebook in it had rings. Then we see Amy with a notebook where she draws the Abbott sign and it's a notebook without rings. So it's clearly not the same notebook. But what I noticed is that in episode 2, Autumn says to Amy, I have drawn this sign all my life. So even if the notebook is not the same, she started to draw that sign at a young age. And that is what we see Amy doing in episode 7. So, dear teachers, this student did his homework. Okay, going into the movie archive. You were talking about how long ago it was you did a movie. Well, as you said in the episode 7 podcast of Outer Range, you did Deadpool indeed, but you also did, crazy as you were at that time, as a Patreon reward, my top 10 of movies and series. And that was June 2019. Most of the films I listed you already had seen, but one of them was Doomsday with Rona Mitra, a 2008 movie, which I highly recommend. Really a bit like Lara Croft kind of movie, a little different. And you liked that a lot. Talking about Rona Mitra, she's of course in this movie. Furthermore, the actor Theo James, who plays George Elmore here, I thought, where do I know him from? And actually he was from the so-called Allergiant trilogy with also Insurgent and Divergent. And that were three films that were also on my list. So all comes together here. Okay, this is a crossroad of Ex Machina, a great 2015 movie. On one hand, the Borg Queen without her lower body, especially in the latest Picard season 2. Also the character Ariam from season 1 and 2 of Star Trek Discovery. Season 4 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has an LMD arc and a Ghost Rider arc. And that LMD arc is actually also about this kind of robotic android setting. LMD means live model decoy. So they are actually androids but nobody notices. I don't know if you have seen that. Mallory Jansen plays the great role of Aida there, talking about another actor crush. And when we are talking Marvel, we of course see here Toby Jones, who plays Vincent Sinclair, the little guy with the big head. He of course has a role. 
de Nazi-slash-Hydra-Dr. Sulla. In de Captain America movies and in an episode of Agent Carter. It also has elements of the Extant series. Also reminds me a little bit of the interaction of Will Robinson in Lost in Space with his robot. And finally, prototype number two reminds me a bit of Wall-E. I know Wayne is very enthusiastic about this film, but I probably would give it a C plus or a B minus. From the beginning, you know this is not going to end well, apart from the very 180 degrees twist at the very end. You know where this is going. It's about man trying to create a full equal. It's trying to create a lost person, like the developer of the LMD in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., He also created the LMD after his lost wife. AIs turning against their creators. I'm currently watching the third season of the Orville and there you have the Kalon. Also reminds me a little bit of that. It's also partly about discrimination, so valuing one life above another. And of course George is here really playing God, especially when he takes J2's legs to get some technology he needs for J3. And J2 is already quite jealous and can't believe that he, or actually I should say she, is valued on its own terms, as actually J1 is. Actually J2 should look below instead of above and see how George is handling J1. What I think was cool was this facility and with this bridge reminds me a little bit of childhood nostalgia Thunderbirds. Although when these inspectors came, I was doubting if this bridge that goes in and out could carry such a heavy truck. And why for this inspection such a heavy truck was also a question. And of course I'm very disappointed about the time and the resolution in which we see Rona Mitra. Okay, my time is up. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, now, you know, Fred mentioned some homework and, and, you know, one of the the problems that uh, has cropped up for Fred and, and Scott, you know, because they have been giving feedback and, and that's that our recording schedule has kind of, uh, gotten, I don't want to say a little out of whack, but, but, uh, we are recording the archive discussion on August 8th, but it is not going to release until the 19th. Uh, this Friday, you know, ordinarily we record on a Monday release on a Friday, uh, this Friday on the 12th, it will be the finale of Outer Range. So, uh, you know, Fred mentions feedback, uh, mentions being given homework uh, that because of our recording schedule really wasn't fair to him. So, yeah. you know, hey, it'll straighten out. Fred. It'll straighten out. Exactly. Uh, but, he, you know, he mentions about the different notebooks that that I brought up in the discussion are they the same? And, and you know, he, he points out that no, they're not the same ones. Spiral ones bound, but then it gets me to thinking that that certainly uh, Amy's book could simply be the first in a long line of notebooks. Right. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of like the the one year my son um, he he just wanted to color uh, envelopes. Uh huh. And so he would take a regular envelope, you know, like for you know, whatever, like three by five, whatever. And he'd take markers and he'd color in the envelope and then he'd put it in like a photo album. Okay. <laughs> so we have this 
photo album. So if if had he continued with this obsession with coloring uh, envelopes, we would probably have multiple photo albums of of envelopes that have cool. been colored by marker. Okay. Now Fred brings up uh, the Rona Mitra film Doomsday that that was on a list he gave us a couple years back, and that was really my first experience with Rona Mitra, and it was a film that that I think we both pretty much enjoyed. Uh, you know, we, as we said, you can't help but make the ex machina comparison. But he brings up which I didn't think about at all until Fred mentions it is the life model decoy that we see in agents of shield. I don't know if it works its way into the cinematic universe or not. Um, I can't recall. And I, I've seen a lot of the Marvel movies, but um, you know, the whole idea of the life model decoy seemed to be something that was kind of unique to agents of shield, but I'm sure there are Marvel fans out there that are like, you know, beside themselves, you idiot. So, um, but they kind of served a different purpose in in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, yes, it was to keep, you know, spoiler alert, uh, you know, certainly characters alive after they've been killed, but certainly f- for different reasons. You know, you know, here it was because he was in love. He didn't want to lose the love of his life. And we get that even though he make some pretty sketchy decisions along the way. Uh, And then, you know, the whole idea of the AI turning on its creator, which is something that goes as far back as 1922 and the uh, play R-U-R by the Czech. I I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah. uh, uh, (laughs) Carol Capick and and Rossum's Universal Robot, which, of course, the Rossum Corporation in Dollhouse. Um, So, uh, yeah, here we don't see that. Well, and... and you know, I hate to bring it up again, but dare I say Westworld? Oh, how can you not? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, uh, I'll, I'll stand in for you here. If you are not watching Westworld, what the heck is wrong with you? Oh, my God. Have you seen? I'm you, behind. I'm behind, uh, but I'm, oh I'm fully Last invested. episode, dude. Yeah, I know. I'm fully oh, invested. Oh, my. Oh, man. Yeah. Fabulous. Uh, Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. Yes, oh my God. Dave and, said. And Aaron Paul, what a awesome addition he's, to the cast he's he's the best oh my he's God. so great yeah though I, I i had trouble bringing up his name earlier <laughs> yeah i know i know <laughs> he's um, he's he's fabulous yeah, yeah like he's just so great on westworld it's just like oh man if they don't renew that show um there's but uh I, there's gonna be some strongly worded twitters on my part <laughs> you know it's and, and again i guess it's one of those deals where he, i mean you probably could keep going as long as you want, but you understand it, it, it's not so easy coming up with material that, you know, you know, really works. And I mean, it's certainly an expensive show to produce. I, w- I right. would imagine. But well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm watching I'm like, Oh my God. Like, like how much is this? Show? Just, just the fact that you have like a Tessa Thompson and Aaron Paul, uh, an Ed Harris, you know, um, uh, James Marsden, um, you know, just all the, these actors and actresses that use Tom DeWay Newton and everything. It's just, you know, yeah. the, just in the, the talent itself, you are spending a buttload of money. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but we're not doing Westworld right here. So we uh, are. All right, Fred, thank you for your feedback. Now, 
Fred gives it a C plus B minus. What um, oh, man, Fred? That's harsh, yeah. I mean, bro. Uh, I, I'm at a minimum of B plus. Um, I'm thinking maybe a minus. I you know in, in terms of AI films and or TV series, I certainly think it's as important as a lot of them. So. Uh, I haven't made up my mind yet, but B plus A minus at this point. Yeah, for me. I'll, I'll, okay, because I'm thinking A A minus, so I'll meet you at A minus. I'll meet you at A, at a minus. Okay, so uh-huh. I, I might think A, not A plus, and I don't know necessarily why. Um, but if I'm going with like as far as movies wise, Shaun of the Dead being like an A plus, then it's just like okay, it's not there, <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty good. All right, sounds good. So, all right. Well, um, I guess we will leave that discussion there. It's always good to get out of our TV wheelhouse and tackle a film. Dude, that was an awesome choice. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I will highly recommend this to my sci-fi friends for sure. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, I forget what time you said, but it's only about an hour and 40 minutes. So definitely in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's it's definitely a shorter yeah. movie and and that's another good thing about it like you know it doesn't there's well, it no doesn't really br- belaboring of anything right you know, like. I mean and you would think with only one human that the pace would get bogged down but it doesn't right no it really doesn't yeah. I mean you look at your watch and it's like well if I had a watch I look at my <laughs> you know computer and right. it's like a half hour went by I'm like you know and like okay let me go get something to drink and I'll be right back. So uh, anyway, all right, well, let's leave it there before we uh, go on to before our podcast gets longer than the movie. Exactly. (laughs) All right. That'll do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about archive, any other things going on in your genre world. Check out the Facebook group. If you haven't already, sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us and we'll be back next week to talk about the amazon prime video series premiere lord of the rings the power of the ring but until then so uh you know this um you know it's the 30th anniversary of camden yards this year so a lot of ex orioles are coming down and uh i was at the park the other day and bob melvin was there and it's like oh bob melvin but you know what dave i failed to give mr melvin the relevant information <laughs>